Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mark Willis. Thanks for being on the show, Mark. My pleasure. Glad to be on. And Mark is a certified financial planner, a number one best-selling author, and the owner of Lake Growth Financial Services, a financial firm in Chicago. Also co-hosts the Not Your Average Financial Podcast, where he shares some of his strategies for investing in real estate, saving and paying for college without going broke. That's a good one right there. And creating an income in retirement you can't outlive. Uh, considers it his mission to help others think differently about banks and works with people who want to grow their wealth in ways that are safe and predictable. So Mark, thank you again for your time. Give the listeners a little more about who you are and let's dive in. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it was in the midst of the great depression that my wife and I graduated from our college degrees with six figures of student loan debt, no job, no plan to pay the debt, and all of a sudden, we kind of woke up to the fact that we had to sort of take control of this monster that had become a monthly burden on our backs. And as I look back over that season, it was sort of a, a cold, you know, cold bath that I'm thankful for today. But boy, it was scary then. Uh, and we found a way over time to dig ourselves not only out of the hole, but actually build real wealth as we paid off our debt at the same time. It got me so interested in finance that we opened up our financial firm here. And it's been, our, it's been our intention to help find sane ways of living that couples with the power of building businesses, entrepreneurialism, and real estate that you know, my clients seem to be totally loving. And it's been a joy ever since. So glad to be on your show. Nice, nice. So you know, I'd love to hear about you know, how you're advising uh, people while investing in real estate. You know, I, 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 it seems like you know a lot of people that are new to investing in real estate. Maybe they've invested in mutual funds, stock market, all that, and they're you know we grew up being comfortable with that thinking. That was like the only way, right? Yeah. You know, like you know anything outside of that's just too risky. Or, or like that real estate thing over there that that you're doing, Whitney. I, I mean, I've I've had somebody say this to me that oh, that seems like something that we might that would be kind of like a secondary thing or something over there after we get this going over here. You know, it's and so, I'd love to hear your opinion. It's so interesting. Well, you know, so as a certified financial planner, I'm supposed to toe the party line and tell you to put all your money in the stock market uh, and, you know, to have a nice balanced portfolio. The truth and the honest truth is for the last 30 years, according to third party research, this is according to the Dalbar Quantitative Analysis for Investor Behavior Study, over the last 30 years, real investors who were 100% in on the stock portfolio, so 0% to bonds, okay? made only 3.6% over 30 years. And that's the uh, safe place to put our money, right? So is it really worth the roller coasters that we've had over the last 30 years in the market to keep you know, drumming up our 401ks, our IRAs, our brokerage accounts, our day trading? People have got no business putting money in places that they have no you know, guarantee is going to be there when they go to look for it. You know, The average 401k balance for someone within 10 years of retirement is less than one times their salary. It's tremendously scary, but it's a reminder that we didn't always used to do this. You know, the 401k wasn't created on the sixth day of creation, right? <laughs> um, so we, we have this like 
I guess, um, feeling that it's what everyone does, so it must be the right way. Well, I've, I've seen a pack of lemmings thinking the same thing. And honestly, there, there is another way. And your audience is smart enough, I think, they've kind of taken the red pill to realize there are other ways to build real and lasting wealth that doesn't have anything to do with a roller coaster. So mm-hmm. how do we get there? Uh, just briefly, I think it had a, it's a combination of things. Uh, you know, when you leave your parents' house, you're kind of used to that lifestyle. You know, you're used to the, the, and they're maybe 45, 55 years old when you leave their household, but you're used to the lifestyle that they were able to afford at age 45 to 55, right? And yet we're 21 years old leaving our parents' houses or whatever uh, and trying to say, keep that equivalent lifestyle. We take on debt. We keep up with the Joneses. We can't save as much. According to the Department of Commerce Bureau, U.S. Commerce Bureau, as of 1940, we saved 30% of our income, Whitney. But in 2015, when I looked at the data last, it was more like 5%. And that's not changed much since then. 5% of our savings for everything. Uh, So what little we have left to save, that 5%, has to go in riskier and riskier assets, i.e. IRAs, 401ks, uh, day trading, mutual funds, etc. And it's just a world gone mad, which is why I think sometimes real estate looks like uh, a, a place of shelter or sanity or, or something that re- that's real and tangible rather than fake money and paper profits. Wow. No, I, I like that. And, and I, you know, I just feel like, you know, I was taught being young, you know, you're taught, okay, save your money, save your money, then it's invest in the stock market or invest in mutual funds. Uh, real estate was just never, ex- you know, I was never exposed to being able to, like, that was even an option, even a thing. Sure. And I just wonder, like, as your clients come in, you know, how do, how do you help them to uh, really open up their mind to the possibility of real estate or can you? Well, the the best way to do it is, you know, you can't, you can maybe lead a horse to water, as they say, but you can't make it drink. But I'm convinced, Whitney, that you can salt the feed. <laughs> and one way to do that, <laughs> one way to salt that feed, to make them thirsty for that water is to ask good questions. And one of the best questions I've come across in conversations with clients is, hey, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, what do you want your money to do for you? Seems like an obvious question, but how often do you really sit down and ask those questions? What sort of characteristics, if you could paint with a magic wand, you know, if you were Pope of Money, Whitney, for the day, and you could just create a brand new financial vehicle, what sort of characteristics, what sort of attributes would you want it to have if you could design the perfect financial vehicle? And folks will oftentimes say, you know, hey, I'd want, I'd want a good, decent rate of return. You know, I'd want easy access to the cash. I wouldn't want to get it locked up for decades or years. I'd want some sort of guarantee that it was going to be there, you know, and some sort of predictable uh, protection if I was sued. You know, what's the quote, uh, the statistic that 90% of real estate investors and business owners will be sued over the next 20 years? That's a crazy statistic, but um, you might or might not have any more statistics there. It's not uncommon that your money is going to get attached to by creditors and lawsuit predators too. So what are some other things? You know, maybe tax-free in retirement, you know, just different things that you'd want your money to do for you. Does that spur any ideas or additional? I like that question and just really kind of put it in, putting it on them a little bit saying, hello, you know, Mr. Client, like you said, you know, what do you want your money to do for you? And then you can lay out some options. And, and I think when you can explain, okay, you know, over here in the mutual fund, this is what's going to happen or over here in this real estate investment, this is, this is what's happening. Sure. You know, it's going to be pretty obvious. Mm, yeah. And we've got a, here at our offices, we have this money matrix that kind of shows literally there's over 450 financial vehicles out there. Just as you go through your studies, you, you know, with the CFP, they kind of force you to learn about all of them. 
And, you know, we built a pretty nice spreadsheet matrix, whatever, to kind of show with about 30 different questions, here's the check marks on all, all of those different financial strategies and vehicles. And then it gets even more crazy, Whitney, because you can combine them together, right? Like an IRA and real estate go together with a self-directed IRA. So now we've got literally millions of ways to put your money to work. But most of us, it's sort of like when you walk into a movie 45 minutes late and you have no clue who the characters are, what the plot is, you know? Most of us show up to our adulthood with very little, if any, awareness of what we're supposed to be doing. You know, and maybe we heard on a radio ad to go put our money in a mutual fund and get 12% a year, right? Uh, that that was just supposed to happen like falling off a log. Uh, well, you know, it, it might be important enough to take a few moments to ask those questions. What do you want, truly want your money to do for you? It's going to change just about everything else about your overall financial life. Of course, real estate is a very important component and has, it does check a lot of the boxes we just talked about. And I believe that if you put things together, different financial vehicles together, it's like nitro and glycerin. If you put the right financial vehicles together, you can create something even more explosive, even better uh, than they would be maybe on their own. Yes. So, you know, I wonder though, you know, when you have, uh, or are there other questions that are like top of the list like that, that maybe we could, we could use as well? Sure. Sure. Well, you know, do you want this, um, do you want your money to be, for example, you know, taxed on the seed or taxed on the harvest. You know, a lot of folks think that they're getting a great deal when they put their money into a 401k, which is taxed on the harvest, right? And I'll ask our, our, our clients, I'll say, do you believe that taxes will be lower today or in the future? I don't care about you, what you think about politics or who the president is, just, you know, yes or no, will taxes be lower or higher in the future? And the next question I usually ask is, do you want to pay those taxes? And if you're successful in your efforts to grow your nest egg, don't you think you might pay more taxes in the future than you might today, even if tax rates don't go up, which most people, I don't, I don't know if I've ever met anybody, Whitney, who thinks tax, taxes will be lower in the future than they are right now. Taxes are on sale right now. So do you want to pay taxes today or defer them until the future when taxes will be higher? So that's another question I like to ask folks. And it gets people thinking, you know, because again, a 401k is taxed in the future. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know that um, we aren't going back to the days when taxes are as low as they are today anytime soon. So, in, you know, from your expertise in being a financial advisor, what kind of percentages, you know, of investing do you like to see people investing, say, in mutual funds versus real estate? Well, a lot of your listeners are already dipping the toe in or diving in headfirst into syndication deals, real estate in general. And either they're doing it passively or actively, I understand. Uh, so, you know, let's just assume for a minute that a lot of folks, a lot of you guys listening, like the control and predictability and tangibility of real estate. I mean, that's a really cool uh, asset class. And I think it's, you know, it's honestly, it's poo-pooed mostly by financial experts in the mainstream financial media. Uh, I think it has an important place. I mean, it goes clear back to the pyramids. So something about real estate seems to work, right, for the wealthy. Uh, and so that should make other people pay attention. If you want to grow wealthy, do what wealthy people do. Um, and, you know, I'd say, you know, as far as allocations go, there's kind of two ways to look at it. Uh, diversification is kind of the idea of taking a big pebble, big fistful of pebbles and throwing it out at a, a glass window, let's say. You know, it's going to spread around that window and hopefully one of them breaks through. You know, if we're trying to break through to financial freedom, we take that fistful of pebbles, 
from all up that window, maybe one of them makes that crack through. The other way to think about it is, okay, I'm going to take the same weight of pebbles as one giant rock, you know, solid, focused energy. Throw it right at that window and watch it shatter. Sometimes focus and obsession over a few asset classes that are really well designed to work together do better than a basket full of mutual funds, for example, in 12 different sectors across multiple indices. You know, what is diversification? Well, Mark Cuban called it, you know, uh, insurance against ignorance, right? Well, if, if, uh, who was Andrew Carnegie, who'd be worth like $150 billion today, if he was alive today, he said, you know, don't have your eggs in 12 different baskets, put them all in one basket and then freaking watch that basket and <laughs> get to know that basket really well. So he didn't seem to like diversification as much as focus. And sometimes if you have uh, a, a real financial plan that you understand and that you can control, you feel more confident to take necessary risks and avoid what we call the unnecessary risks, which I believe too many people make in their portfolios today. Wow. No, I like that. I like the focus part too. And while most people want to be diversified, but they may truly believe in real estate and be diversified across numerous deals or different asset classes or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even that, to some extent, I feel like I lose focus a little bit or I don't understand different asset classes as well as I do multifamily, uh, things like that. So yeah, yeah, I can relate to the the Carnegie method there a little bit, but, uh, but but I've heard a lot of people say, well, I want this much in mutual funds and this much over here and this much doing this. And, and, but I can't keep track of all that. And I can't be an expert in all those things. Right. You know, there's just Heck, no even, way. Even Warren Buffett, you know, he doesn't have 300 different stocks. He's got a couple that he, maybe a dozen, two dozen that he knows and he pours real effort into, you know, sometimes I compare it to like a blue heron or a rattlesnake, you know, they'll be sitting still for a year. Maybe, you know, Warren Buffett might not make a deal for a year that rattlesnake might sit so still for an hour, two hours might go by until something really juicy and delicious looks, looks uh, like it's coming across its path. And all of a sudden, in one second, he's got dinner. You know? So it's just a matter of learning to be patient and focus. And it's a personality thing, Whitney, to be honest with you. Some of our clients need that spread out across you know, multiple different asset classes and diversify it across uh, good growth stocks, dividend paying stocks, value investment strategies. But, you know, for a lot of our real estate investor clients and friends, they have figured out that all you need are two sides to a a really good barbell. You need safety, predictability, and liquid access to money on one side. And then, you know, important, necessary, and understandable risks on the other side. And if you put those two together, maybe it's 90% cash, 10% speculation, if that's all you need, right? 90% in something that's guaranteed, predictable, accessible cash. Without taxes due. And over here, you've got a couple of really good real estate deals that just do great, or larks that you see as the next Facebook or whatever your, your investment is. Boy, you can have a lot of fun as long as you know what you're doing. And that's the important key to pay attention. And I think, unfortunately, we've lost our attention uh, on, on our money. And we've told some other money manager to do it for me. And those four words, do it for me are the four most dangerous words in your financial vocabulary. Hmm. And that would be what I would be doing if I got too diversified. Yes, sir. Me too. I would, yeah. <laughs> Nobody's so, got a corner on truth. That's for sure. 
That's right. I know we just got a, a few minutes left, uh, Mark, but uh, you know, you had mentioned that you graduated with six figures of debt and then you you learned how to build wealth. And you know, I, I, I know there's people listening right now that are in those shoes and I would love for you just to speak a couple things to them. And then we just got a couple questions before we have to uh, end, end the interview. Sure. Okay. So, you know, yes, uh, it was on an emotional level. It was, you know, felt like I'd married two women in college, you know, my beautiful wife and Sally Mae. And uh, Sally Mae was requiring a payment every single month that we didn't always have. And so it did feel sort of like slavery, uh, having $120,000 of student loan debt uh, 10 years ago. So add to that inflation these days, that's even bigger. But we had a $900 a month payment. And we were just trying to do the Dave Ramsey thing of throwing all of our money at it, doing the snowball method. And we got about halfway through and we kind of woke up one day, a mentor of ours kind (laughs) of hit us upside the head and said, hey, you know, uh, maybe there's something better than being just debt-free. And he caused us to sort of stop and think. And he asked us the question, Mark, is it possible that Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? And to me, that was a like anathema. It was like heresy, you know, like having... Dave Ramsey was almost like the fifth gospel to me at that point. Uh, so, so that's sort of what got me looking for things that could help me become my own source of financing, actually buy back my debt from Sally Mae and her cronies and become my own source of financing, become, literally become my own banker. And one by one, we started buying back our student loans. And it's been a dream ever since. Since then, we've been able to do the same with uh, all of our debts. It's also helped us buy other capital purchases for my business. We've used it to invest in real estate. Uh, we've become the bank that we need for any to- anything we need, right? In good times and bad, we have a big pool of liquid capital, contingency cash for opportunities and, uh, and emergencies, of course. Uh, but we've used it, uh, our, our strategy, our banking strategy to go on vacations, to purchase vehicles. It'll help our daughter go to college someday if she wants to go to college. College is even a thing in 15 years. Uh, but for us, that was our pathway out, not just to be debt-free. You know, we, we hear people go on Dave Ramsey's show and scream, I'm debt-free, like it's a big deal. But is it really a big deal to fight your way back just to get to the starting line of the race? Isn't, it, isn't there something more than just being debt-free? And so for us, that was a journey that we had to go on with our short time today, maybe we have, have uh, more conversations elsewhere and, and part twos possibly, Whitney. But yeah, the, the, there's a power in learning to think like a banker rather than to think like a borrower. And that's exactly what we did. Now, I'd love to know more about that, Mark. And, and just a couple questions. I know we're a long time, but how, how do you prepare for this potential downturn that everybody's talking about? Yeah, well, all we know is that someday it could come. I was hearing the other day that Australia hasn't had a recession since 1991. Let that sink in for a minute, right? So who knows? No, I wouldn't have expected it would have lasted even this long here in the United States. So what am I doing? I'm piling up a bunch of liquid guaranteed opportunity capital that won't be contingent or won't be affected when the markets crash. You know, there's a lot of good in real estate, but if you think about it, there's some risks too. When are you most likely going to need cash? Well, during a crisis, right? When are banks least likely going to give us that cash? During a crisis, right? And when are we going to sell our properties for the lowest values? Well, same thing, during a crisis, right? I mean, who is it? Mark Twain who said, um, a banker is a fellow who lends you his umbrella when when the sun shines, but wants it back as soon as it starts to rain. So what we're doing to prepare for the downturn whenever it comes is we're piling up big piles of cash. It's our war chest of liquid money that is going to be a lot of fun 
sort of like that rattlesnake. Again, we're just waiting on the sidelines to make that move. Mm. And tell us the one thing that's contributed to your success. Oh man, you know, it's my awesome team. It's my beautiful wife. It's the people around you. There's no way you can do something like this by yourself. So keep up the good work, build a good team and have a lot of fun doing it. You know, I used to think being an adult was boring, but actually it's sort of like a super fun game that you get to play with people you love to play with and you get to have all sorts of great conversations and help people and serve people all along the way. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. You know, our show is uh, not your average financial podcast, but if you want to reach out to us directly, either me or one of my colleagues, go to growmorewealth.com. Growmorewealth.com has a little snippet about who we are, what we do, how to become your own source of financing. And uh, it'll also have a form there to reach out to us. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.